Hi everyone, this is the Jade Marissa podcast. This is episode 12, talking to you from Thailand about the good, bad and ugly in combat sports and pop culture. And my guest today is professional fighter, all the way from Ireland, David McCarthy. Welcome. Thank you for having me on, it's a pleasure. Yeah, thank you too. Um, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? How old are you? Uh, where did you grow up? Of course, so uh, I'm 27 years old. I grew up in Dublin, Ireland. I've been traveling for a number of years since I began uh, training martial arts. I, I wanted to sort of get the best training that I could. I've been living in Amsterdam, in Dublin and Thailand, splitting my time between these three countries. And that's so interesting. You did martial arts in all three? Yeah, primarily uh, striking. I was doing MMA in Ireland uh, under my first mentor, Shane Thomas, for uh, a number of months. But he left, actually. He went to Germany to um, pursue family life more so than the martial arts life in the gym that he was running. So uh, after this, I was a bit directionless, and I decided all of a sudden that I was really bad at kickboxing, and I was going to go live under a stairs in Amsterdam in a, and train in like a, a gym there. So I went over, and I just got the shit kicked out of me. I was training in a really hardcore Moroccan <laughs> gym with loads of like ex-convicts. One of the guys I trained with actually ended up becoming like a contract killer. <laughs> he got locked up about two years ago. Yeah, oh he's only a bit younger than me. He's only twenty-five now. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it was a crazy time. I did that, and then uh, I I just basically over uh, I I trained in that gym, and I eventually um, went to a, a different gym that was closer by and a better fit to my personality as well. And I ended up training for a number of years under Ivan Hippolyte in the Foss Gym, Amsterdam. So that's where I, I learned to throw down, you know. That's so cool. So when you started martial arts or MMA in, the, in Ireland, um, yeah. um, were you fighting also? Uh, actually, I was put in for a fight after, uh, after only 10 months. After only like eight months, they asked me to fight, which would have been an absolute blessing because normally it took longer to... Yeah. Uh, uh, to get put into your first fight, but I was training so hard. I was really going at it. You know, I, I wanted it so badly and I had very little to do in my life before I started martial arts. And all of a sudden I just got blessed with this, uh, lightning bolt of motivation. and I just couldn't stop. So because of this, uh, dedication and this drive and the amount of skill that I was accruing and as quickly as I was accruing it, I was put into my first MMA fight. It would have been, I believe, a show called Man of War in the Helix in Dublin. Wow. And of course I was like super fit for it. And then the first day I was training for the fight, which was two weeks out from the event, um, I just bust my shoulder and it didn't go down. But that taught me a lesson. And the lesson was that nothing in life goes as planned. And while it hurt for a long time, and even now still hurts very slightly, it, it was a valuable lesson not to count your chickens before they're hatched and not to put your hopes and your dreams in some uh, un undetermined future event, even if it has a determined date. So. That's very true. I've I've had a lot of fights that you know abruptly got cancelled or postponed. So it does happen in the life of a fighter. So yeah. Um, why did you get into martial arts? Um, well, I was just like in a very directionless path in my life. I was deeply unhappy, and I am. Um, I just had nothing to do in a very fundamental sense, and in the December of two thousand and ten. I had just two weeks that sort of went okay. You know, just a few events conspired together to be sort of somewhat fortunate. And um, and then this, this, this feeling hit me, this blessing, this blessed feeling hit me. And then on January 3rd, 2011, I just went to the gym when it reopened after the Christmas break. And I, I just didn't stop. I was there from the moment it opened to the moment it closed. And wow. since then, yeah, it's just been a, sort of a case of learning that training isn't everything and that the holistic approach to training, so eating and sleeping, for instance, are somewhat more important than, you know, breaking your back training because all you really do is get injured and hurt. Yeah, definitely <laughs> true. Definitely. I also learned that the hard way as well. I overtrained at one point and then I wasn't able to train because my body just gave up on me. It, take, it takes time, you know, both being young and also being immature in, in terms of your understanding of the training process. You try to compensate for a lack of sleep or you try to compensate for an imperfect diet with excess training or extra training, but it's, it's not the way to go. And even as I say this now, and in the fashion I say it now, almost everyone listening to this who hasn't learned that lesson yet won't listen to me. <laughs> They'll only have to listen to, be able to listen to their own experience. And so uh, that has also been a lesson. <laughs> no, it's very true. Yeah. You have to listen to your body, but sometimes 
as being a young person, you don't, you just push yourself. Yeah, that, nobody would listen. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Definitely. So when you were back in Ireland, what was your day-to-day job? And then, because you said you, you got into the gym and you were training there from, until it, from it opened until it closed. So you had a job? Um, at that time, I was living with my parents. I was only 19. Hmm. And um, I was 18 and three quarters. And I was short on March 20th, I turned 19. Interestingly enough, on March 19th of... 2011, just before I think I turned 19, because it was really important to me. I lost my virginity. So I was like a girl. I just, yeah, I started training, right? I wasn't getting laid beforehand. And I started training and then all of a sudden, slam, bam, right? I got a girl. And then it was like before my 19th birthday. And I just, I was like, listen, I got to get laid when I'm 18. I just have to. That's Aww. it. And so uh, we did it. It was awkward. <laughs> it was actually Aww. horrible. I'll tell you why. Because I think that... Um, on March, so I, I turned on March 20th, I turned 19, and on March, like, 18th, I think, or March 17th, it might have been, I can't remember the exact precise minute and date, but long story short is, uh, there was some gig in town that I went to, it was Je- Marcus and Talix was playing in the Twisted Pepper, I was a drum and bass uh, DJ, and then also General Levy. Uh, reggae artist was playing that evening and he, that was the best gig I was ever at right but I took an ecstasy pill <laughs> I took half an ecstasy pill and it was the fucking best gig I ever went to I'm but sure. then what happened was then I had to like get laid because I was turning 19 and this is a problem because if you've ever done ecstasy you can't get it up on ecstasy and you really can't get it up the day after ecstasy so it was about as awkward a first time as it gets like it was going like up and down and yeah, like you didn't put your MMA, your jujitsu training into it. Well, I did, I did. I put her <laughs> legs up, you know. But then it's tight. Like, whoa, you have to learn sex as well. You have to, tra- you have to train, <laughs> oh right? God. So it was awkward and uncomfortable. But to this day, I remain uh, not a nineteen-year-old version. So that's important. Congratulations on that development. Thank you very much. <laughs> this has got X-rated. I know. Okay, so you had. That fight that was going to happen, then it got cancelled. Did you get any other fight opportunities in MMA in Ireland? No, shortly after I left uh, to go to Amsterdam, and, oh, and right. I really wanted to uh, get out of my parents' house. I was work- I worked in uh, McDonald's there for like four euro fifty in Amsterdam. Yeah, oh. yeah, and in Ostorp, I didn't speak English for months. I worked with like single word sentences, single syllable sentences, and forward conversations for uh, months. I was earning like four euro fifty an hour. It was horrible sleeping under the stairs. And then, uh, like, traveling two hours to What train. do you mean by sleeping under the stairs? Yeah, I literally just slept under the stairs in an apartment. Like, it was awful. <laughs> like, like Harry sound. Potter, like Harry Potter, you know? You okay? Yeah, and then like I Harry used Potter. to travel, like, two hours to training and two hours from training. So I would get, like, the tram, and then I would wait on the boat, and I would get a boat across the eye in Amsterdam, and I would walk for an hour. And I, and I would get the shit kicked out of me, like, brutally. It was, it was actually not even human and then i would just do the same thing and come home and i was like stealing big macs in like work so that i could survive it was rough but after a few months yeah man it was awful and then uh that taught me something i'm not a quitter because there came a point when i just could have quit and i didn't and uh, i don't know how i didn't but that was it and then about a few months later maybe three or four months of that i ended up getting a really good job in a place called coco's out back in amsterdam as a barman and things went a lot smoother then so for the next three months i trained until my first fight after six months of kickboxing against a very large surinamese gentleman in almira just outside of amsterdam that was an amazing wow fight, yeah. that's such an interesting story i don't even know where to begin on my answers <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, so you had a, your first kickboxing fight in Amsterdam. Just outside, but yeah. Oh, just outside. How was it? I was I was awesome. I fought this huge dude. He was like six foot four, and he I think he must have cut weight, you know. But I was I was sixty eight kilos. I was basically like a big head on skinny, like a stick figure, you know. <laughs> like what do you fight at right now? What? what weight do you fight at now? I fight seventy. Like what what I weigh now. I used to weigh 68 and fight, fight 68. But when I started martial arts one and a half years before that, I was about 62 kilograms. So I was dangerously underweight, um, which shows you how uh, like poorly my life had gone at that stage. Wow. But I was 68 kilos when I fought that fight. Now I'm about 76 and I'd cut down to 70. Well, I, I, I basically just fight at anywhere between 70 and 75. 
Oh, wow. It's a big difference. Yeah, I don't care. But now it's becoming more professional. And yeah, you've also gained so much muscle, I'm sure. Yeah, fighting bare knuckle, though, I'm, I'm starting to cut weight because you can't, like, you mess around. Not even mum punch, you know what I mean? <laughs> wow, that's crazy. How many fights did you have in Amsterdam? Oh, around that? I had region? one. I had one, yeah. Oh, I, sta- I was living in Amsterdam for 10 months. It was a draw, actually. I ended up fighting uh, the gentleman in his city on his card and his gym ran the show. Wow. And uh, it, it, it was it was somewhat unfortunate that the decision didn't go my way, but it was definitely fortunate that it didn't go his. So a draw was a good result and we'll do it again, Rudzels and Hagel. It's going to happen. He knows that I know it. It's on. And, but he's a good guy. I like the guy. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> do you still follow each other on social media? Oh, no, actually, I contacted him a few months ago uh, just because I wanted the fight video to see if he had it and yeah. then, uh, said he didn't. Aww. But uh, he's done well for himself. He's like an A-class champion. He's uh, fought internationally uh, all over and stuff. He's done really well for himself. So I'm, I'm somewhat playing catch-up now. It makes me angry. Aww, <laughs> but I will cool. catch-up and then we'll do it. Listen. Hey, that's a great motivation though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that's undecided. Oh, very cool. So then you you changed gym in Amsterdam and then after that, not so long after yeah, that, you came to Thailand. I, I, was, I was also traveling, you know. So oh. I, I, when I after my fight in Amsterdam, I went to I traveled a little to France and then back to Dublin. At which point, I was uh, sort of I expected things to go well when I got back home, but I slipped into old habits of just like lazing about and doing nothing. So mm-hmm. uh, the training really fell by the wayside. Then I had taken back up MMA, and then um, so I had my first fight. I I left to travel, came back to Dublin. Things weren't going well. I just I, I needed to get back into my training, and so around um, March of 2013, I would have gone back to Amsterdam, and I really went at it hardcore. Then, yeah, then I, then I started getting seeing real improvements. I think going around that region to do kickboxing is such a smart idea. Yeah, I, I, mean, I identified from the beginning. It was sort of a, a vision I had. Uh, 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 I could see like this gap in the market with startling perspicacity that. We're all essentially equals. I mean, with very minor and minute differences between us as, as humans, as, as physical entities. So I, I just knew from the beginning that um, I needed to pursue competitive edge. I needed to get better faster than other people because I wasn't blessed with like exceptional genetics. I, I also recognized that from the beginning. I don't have like super knockout power or anything. Um, and or uh, I'm not an explosive, natural, gifted athlete. So I identified the competitive edges where it was at, and I just knew that I needed to skip everything else and go straight to the hotbed of kickboxing culture to learn how to fight there, and, and it worked, actually. <laughs> That's really amazing. So you think that you apply a lot of your kickboxing style to Muay Thai? Fast, like heavy hands and like low kicks or you know, yes. combinations in that way? C- certainly so. However, uh, two things have hindered me in that respect. One is that Thai training is simply different so that you uh, learn, you can't really throw the same fluid combinations if you're not training them every day in the gym. Yes. But also actually discovered that um, my knees are really dangerous yeah, since oh. coming to Thailand a year ago. Awesome. Like I, and, and the hands and the kicks, which I used to be a Moy Mat, which is a hands and low kicker, just like I was trained in Amsterdam. I learned that that's all just to set up the knee. And when the knee lands, it slides out. <laughs> That's so awesome to yeah, find so out. Turned into a, a knee fighter, and and then what's fortunate about that and training in the Thai style is not only do they train you on a lot of knees, but also that um, knees are more static. You know, like unless you're uh, maybe Andy Risty, mm. then knees it's generally like a single strike, right? Right. And with so. the MMA background, like going into the clinching as well as well as throwing those n- new weapons, the knees. Yeah, I'm sure you're like you're really like. Like a duck to water or a fish to water. It, it's yeah. working out, yeah. I'm, I'm blessed that it's working out, you know. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Well, so what made you what made you decide to come to Thailand? Um, I was working as a barman still in Dublin. I got a really good job in a, in a five-star hotel. And I was working as a cocktail barman. And what happened was I just recognized one day that, um, like, it wasn't for me. I was. I, I said I'd give myself... A, okay, I'll tell you exactly what happened. And this is a really um, sort of poignant lesson and something that anyone listening here can gain a lot from. Um, I, My partner in... So I came to Thailand at the beginning of 2018. And at the beginning, at the very beginning of 2017, on the cusp of New Year's, right, I did goals. My partner gave me a a piece of paper and I wrote goals for the year. 
And then I forgot about them. I put them away, gave them to her, and, and then just lived my life for the following year. Now, that was in the beginning of 2017. At the very beginning of 2018, on the cusp of the new year, I had completely forgotten my goals and had new goals that mm. I was eager to start 2018 with, with a, with a fresh bang and to sort of pursue these um, goals unendingly. And what was terrifying for me was that when I opened my goals from the previous year, they were exactly the same as my current goals, which I thought I'd independently developed, but my current goals were more conservative. I wanted to make less money. I wanted to get less fights. I wanted to do less things. So that was um, shocking for me. And it coupled with a number of things that were happening in my life at that time, just with regards to training being taken away from me or my job being sort of constricting or um, stopping me doing what I wanted to do, I... I knew that I needed to make change. And so I gave myself one year. I said, all right, I'm going to go to Thailand in like a month. I took my salary. I'm just going to go to Thailand in a month. And I'm going to give myself one year um, to make it. And I had like, uh, I said I'd be rich and famous, right, in a year. So I came to Thailand and my beautiful partner, I told her, look, you can go back home. You can stay in this house in Ireland in my, in my family home where I was staying to save money at the time. Or you can come with me to Thailand. I was blessed that she came with me because she's just a wonderful and incredible human being. And so from February till um, February, I fought and I had a six-fight goal I, uh, for the year. I actually ended up doing eight fights. And by the... Oh, nice. um, oh thank you. I think nine fights, actually. And, oh, congrats. And by the seventh fight, I ended up fighting like an all-star fight in front of um, 6,000 people. And I ended up being on Fox Sports Asia. Now, I didn't get rich, but I thought that was some degree of fame that I could use to... Um, sort of say that this is going somewhere. It's not like I'm just opening my goals from one year to the next and then they're more conservative and and so on and so forth. And what I learned from that is that oftentimes the um, result of your success isn't that you are an extremely hard worker or that you're extremely driven in any exceptional way. It's just that you have clear, concise and manageable goals with a time limit. Because Mm -hmm. I said to myself, I'll quit. If If I don't get something from this in a year, I'm done, you know, like I'm good enough to make something of this. Mm. And and that was a statement of fact. And so the fact that I was able to um, fight in front of a big audience on a big stage was really a, a, a wonderful thing. And it was a testament to the power of uh, correct goal setting. And through this journey of goal setting, I also um, studied, you know, famous actors, for instance, who set goals and had things happen for them. Almost immediately, for instance, Don, the guy who plays Don Draper in Mad Men, he said the same thing. He just wasn't going to be like a 40-year-old failed actor looking for the next bit. He said he'd quit if he didn't make it. And then because he put the time limit on it and he, and he set himself like more concise goals and he put a time limit on those goals, uh, the magic started to happen. The universe grants you everything that you've been waiting for and so on. Yeah. It's so awesome. I'm, after this interview, I'm going to go and write down my goals with a time limit. <laughs> I do, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm, in my head, I'm like, I need to do Clear, this. Clear, concise goals. And one thing that's bad to write down, one thing that doesn't really work is like uh, financial goals. Right. Like a bad thing to write down is I want to make X amount of money. A good thing to write down is I want to get 15 fights this year. Yeah. You know, like the money, if I, for some reason, I find it hard to explain on camera and it was explained to me by somebody who did it very well and articulately. Uh, the, the money goal set doesn't work. For, but you said like 15 fights, then yeah, see what happens. Then you will get become in the process famous and then the money will return itself maybe through mm. sponsorship opportunities, you know, in hidden and unseen ways. So it's more like the process leading towards that unwritten goal. The, the how, um, yes. Yeah. So, um, you know, when you fought on All-Star Fight, my brother was actually the commentator yeah. And that's how you're on the podcast today. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, everything just linked together. So you never know. So it, it could all like, you know, being on here or being on that show can all always open doors to other things. Precisely. Yeah, it's great. And then if I'm on this show and then I was uh, recognized by uh, um, somebody on the Bangkok fight scene or the Thai fight scene or the Asian fight scene who then thought that here's a personality that I am interested in. I want to study more, observe the next fight or last fight and then see where we can progress in the business relationship. You could see how in hidden and unseen ways, the the money follows the goals as opposed to making the money the goal. It's so true. And that's another reason why I plan to do these podcasts is so we can get to know the fighters outside of the ring. You know, everyone's got a, a really interesting story to share, but they have no no way to share it. So here you go, the podcast. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
When you first came to Thailand, where did you train at? Um, I went, uh, I was trying different gyms in Phuket and ultimately they didn't work out for me. But I went to Tiger Muay Thai then. I trained there for a few months and then I had four fights. I uh, won the fights, fortunately. And um, I was offered a sponsorship opportunity with Tiger. So then I signed a contract with them and fought there from, um, I think I was there for a total of nine months. Okay. Or maybe, maybe eight months. It was a really uh, interesting time and opportunity. I learned an incredible amount about myself, my values, my needs, um, and, and, and the importance of good relationships in, in a person's life. And um, I actually, my contract finished in, in May, which was just last month. And I decided that rather than pursue another contract with Tiger, which would have been an opportunity for me, I needed to get out of Phuket. That, that, was, that was definitely something for me that I needed to uh, explore the rest of Thailand. So now I've come to Bangkok. I'm on a pit stop in Bangkok because I, my passport expired, basically. And then I'm going to go north and, and then maybe discover more the true heart of Thailand, the ancient kingdom of Ayutthaya and mm-hmm. areas like this. Ayutthaya yeah. is one hour away from uh, Bangkok. And then there's like Isan, where a lot of uh, old, old school fighters come from there. Yeah. yeah. But I would say I, re- I do recommend uh, the gyms in Bangkok, to be honest, for more like harder training. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So since I've gotten here, um, I noticed a, a definitive like uh, a work ethic that's it's really determined and and there's an emphasis on hard, harder sparring. It's a lot different thing. to Phuket. Certainly the so. The energy, even the environment, everything, the feel. Certainly so. And I didn't expect that at all. I was oh. really surprised, actually. I it was like, um, I, I didn't even expect to be in Bangkok for any length of time, actually. So the fact that I'm here was really like a blessing in disguise. And, and training in some of the gyms here, I've been surprised just how uh, determined and focused the trainers are and how much a lot of the athletes here, they really want to improve every day and it's, they live for it, you know. I think, like, a lot of the gyms in Phuket, they get used to, like, the holiday vibe, you know, because they have a lot of tourists going there to do the Muay Thai and stuff. So they get maybe a bit comfortable with that situation. Precisely. Mm. I think that uh, what didn't work for me in the other gyms in Phuket before I went to Tiger was precisely that, that uh, it's more about beaches and sun. It, it, it's more about beaches and sun and, and all of the extracurricular activities you can pursue in Phuket rather than the training. One thing I found that was beneficial about Tiger was that it was it was like you could actually just train and everything was geared towards, towards fighting in there. You get a lot of training partners who'd come from all different parts of the world. And that team that was made up of like everyone from Uzbekistan to America, black, white, Asian, uh, everything, you know, yeah. and, and that, that team together made it like more of a special place to train. Oh, that's really cool. Actually, I contacted Anbar, so yeah. I might have him on the show when he comes to Bangkok. Anbar's cool. He's a, he's a gentleman. He hits hard. I sparred him a few times. Uh, he, he's about that life. Yeah, he's a nice. good guy and, and he, he can throw a bomb, you know. That's cool. Um, you actually drove, I heard that you drove your motorbike from Phuket to Bangkok. Yeah, I, well, I drove from um, Phuket to Koh Phangan. And then on Copanyan, I just had a problem with my passport. So I didn't trust the Copanyan police because I heard they're really corrupt. And since I got to Bangkok, everyone told me I was, it was a really good move to yeah, make. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> Shit, I fled. Like, I, really? I just, I was like, oh my God, I don't have a passport. I'm about to go to the police. They're going to arrest me. Uh, yeah. They're going to say, oh, like, you know, this, that, and the other. I was like, I'm gone, you know. So I actually just got the boat out uh, and then drove straight. I got the boat out that night. Uh, at 10 o'clock or something, ended up in Suratani at 5.30 in the morning and drove straight to Bangkok. It was hectic. Like, on my scooter, yeah, zooming across the countryside. I even, like, at one point, I think I filled my bike with diesel instead of petrol because it was, <laughs> yeah, oh, no. So then they had to, like, empty the tank and do it again. It took some time. How long did it take you? Including that, like, you had to do that, a stop they, they're really good. That, that setback only took half an hour with the diesel and the petrol. I think it took, like, Probably about 12 hours straight, yeah. 12 hours of driving, yeah. Wow. Minor minor pit stops, you know, like I just went straight for it. But I got to the embassy, and the embassy were incredible. They really helped me that evening. And then uh, actually, my passports literally just arrived like two oh, days ago. Nice. Some gold, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, what other different Muay Thai promotions have you fought on? So you fought an all-star fight. Have you fought on any of the big ones? Yeah, I fought on all-star fight. Mm-hmm. I um, No, all-star fight was the biggest. Uh, I've done like Infusion, but not the main show of Infusion oh. for in Dublin. I fought on like the fighting rookies aspect. 
And now uh, I also fought in the WLC, the World Lethweight Championship, yeah. a few weeks ago, which was incredible. And um, so All-Star Fight and the WLC would be in the two like, world organizations I fought on. WLC is absolutely crazy. Um, who offered you the fight? Why did you take it? How was it? Every, like, tell us. Well, before I came to Thailand, I said, like, rich, famous, and Letway, right? So I was like, Letway, is, uh, that's <laughs> it, you know, I'm going to do it. I was actually the first Irish guy to fight it. Oh, that's um, awesome. Yeah, it was, it was a genuine pleasure. And um, I just put together some good performances in, in Tiger. You know, I was winning all my fights in Phuket. At, I was winning half of them, at least, by knockout. I was winning them when I was sick. I never said no. And um, when I ended up fighting an all-star fight, I actually lost that fight against a gentleman called Nantachai, a wonderful oh. person. And I won my next fight against a, a Southern Thai fighter and a Southern Thai festival fight. And whenever you beat a Thai, the Thai trainers love it. They're they're always impressed at you. So uh, the next fight was on WLC. On two weeks' notice, I replaced uh, Bobir Tajiev, uh, a super world-class professional who trains at a Tiger. From, he's from Uzbekistan. I replaced him in the WLC, and I trained my ass off for it. I was I was already fit, and I trained even harder over the course of the two weeks. And, um, oh, wow, yeah, bare knuckles where it's at. It's yeah, really so cool. let's explain to everyone what left way is a little bit. Uh, it's similar to Muay Thai. It's a bare knuckle headbutt. Death match. <laughs> There's no other way to put it. But the no, it is, it know. is. Oh, yeah, yeah it, they it, have headbutts. It's bare knuckle muay thai. So you with headbutts. Like, with headbutts. And in traditional left way, the rule set's really crazy. It's like you can knock your opponent out, and his corner has like five minutes to revive his lifeless corpse, and then they can send them back out to continue the fight. And there's no winners and losers unless there's a knockout. So say you knock the guy out, and and oh yeah, and you can knock. You have to be able to knock the guy out twice to actually beat him. So if if he comes back out and then he survives, it's a draw. So I wanted to fight traditional left way rules, but unfortunately, I wasn't offered that opportunity. So on the WLC, it's more um, safer. Yes, <laughs> in, in, in a word, it's like um, it's bare knuckle Muay Thai with headbutts, but there's a winner and a loser on points as opposed to it just being a, a draw if no one's dead. And also there's no <laughs> double knockout rule. So if you're knocked out, you're knocked out, you know? And uh, yeah. Wow. What an experience. So like as soon as they asked you to do the fight, you were like, yes. Oh, away. listen, I, 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 was, I was on the toilet. <laughs> I was on the toilet. <laughs> shitting. <laughs> and I just like scream through text yes at my manager i was like let's wow. do it yeah of course absolutely 100 i'll do it like, I was, man I, I, like i fought once i wish i was still fighting that fight i wish i was still in the ring fighting right now you know i love it like, wow how was the outcome uh unfortunately i lost the decision and that was a learning experience mm -hmm. so that now that's like right this year i had three fights i won one on the southern thai festival and i fought in the world stage twice and i lost both fights by decision uh, on the world stage and so now um this was one of the reasons i wanted to travel north and get out of phuket to soul search and um not and to, and to learn how to be a better human being and a better fighter and a better person in, in general so that i can translate those lessons to my fighting career yeah i mean you said that you have an intellectual and spiritual approach to fighting so can you just tell us a little bit about that certainly so um well if you remember earlier i, I mentioned when i began martial arts that i, I identified uh sort of straight away that it was about um competitive edge and so competitive edge like the advantages the heretofore unseen advantages or uh, has been a, a personal study and fascination of mine for many years and after about five years of seeking for like a, a golden sword or you know like the the special one thing that would increase my performance using modern day science that would allow me to beat all my opponents i recognized that um the the reality is that the the secret to success is not about complexity but it's about simplicity it's not about adding more until there's nothing more left to add but it's about taking away until there's nothing left to take away so it's about i believe now um living a simpler life and the simpler life you live and the more humble the existence you uh you you maintain and the better you sleep and the cleaner you eat. These are the things that will really make a difference towards your, your fighting career as opposed to looking for the next best, greatest thing. It's just about becoming closer to your human nature and living closer to your uh, roots as a, as a human being, as an animal, as, as a, a sort of as a 
a being. And on the spiritual side of things, I've actually um, spent a number of months before in, in different monasteries in Thailand. Wow. Um, yeah, you know Sun Mo. No. Sun Mo. It's uh, in Chaya. I spent time there. I actually spent a week there at the beginning of this year, which was spending time there is actually what precipitated my move away from Phuket when wow. my contract in Tiger finished. Yeah. And, and um, what? Well, Somewhat to, like a monk? I didn't, I, I wasn't a monk, but I, I lived about as, as cleanly and simply as one, you know, just like no property, no, you know, like sleeping on wooden boards, um, mosquito net, open dormitory type of thing. Wow, that's so interesting. My, actually, yeah. my dad's going to be a monk. So, really? Yeah, like he, it's, it's, it's his birthday today, his wow. 65th birthday, and he's going to be a monk for like a week or so. Yeah, that's yeah. A, it's a Thai custom. I, I, I'm very interested. <laughs> it's his first time. So like he's kind of excited, but I don't know when he's... In there, he probably won't be feeling as excited, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I've heard it. I've heard becoming a monk, like for in Thai people, uh, as a customer or culture, young men become a monk for a brief period of time. Yes, they do. Most most of them do. Not all, but like a majority of them do that. And um, so, yeah, like I said, my dad's first time doing it, and uh, he has felt like maybe throughout his life he's kind of had like a bad sort of spirit or omen around him because a lot of unlucky things would happen to him. So. Yeah, he's, he's finally decided to become a monk and try and get rid of those bad, bad spirits and, you know, just clear his mind. That, yeah. And to, to lead on from this, so you mentioned, um, I'm going to read your question, so the intellectual approach to fighting is, well, I'm a, I'm a deeply intellectual person. I think it relates uh, also to your next question, which is my Ashkenazi Jewish heritage. And we can go on to that in a minute, but on the spiritual side of things, um, I think that spirituality is important, whereas the religion isn't. Yes. And um, actually, my my ultimate purpose and my journey north of Thailand, I always talk about this journey north, is to end up, uh, I want to go to Buakau's gym. Oh. And the reason I want to go to Buakau's gym is to uh, uh, be near Buakau and see how he lives his life, to understand how he um, maintains his existence. Because he's a very humble and simple and hardworking person. And I think that... Um, to be the best, it's not about learning the newest technique. I, I used to believe it was, or um, getting in the most scientific strength conditioning program, for instance. But it's just about being uh, humble and living close to your roots. And I think that no athlete in the planet does that uh, more completely than Buakau. And his record is it shows. I mean, he's been fighting for like like twenty five years, and about you know fifteen to twenty of those have been the absolute highest level. <laughs> it's just jaw dropping how um, the, the longevity of his career, how long he's been able to maintain his success o and o over a period of time and how hard he's worked over those years. And I just want to uh, go to his gym and, and, and become like him to understand who he is inside. And that would be, um, that would be a sort of a way in which I'm approaching fighting from a spiritual sense to improve my own performances and actually on, on a greater in my, my grander purpose throughout this fighting career which i recognized last year is that i think um my fighting and my, my journey through the martial arts is a way of um how to say engendering the type of or developing the type of personality and forging the type of character and um, through this difficult profession and career that i can become a person uh, the likes of which the world has rarely seen and make a contributable difference to humanity after my career has ended. So in a sense, this is a, this career is like a sword being forged in, in uh, like an iron sword being forged in a furnace. And this for furnace is to, it will take probably about 15 to 20 years total. And, and at the end of this, and I'm already seeing it now, eight or, eight or so, eight or nine years into the journey, I'm already seeing that I can't recognize myself when I look in the mirror. And I think in another eight years, I'll, I'll be a person that I can really um, approach uh, the, the world at large with and, and do something, do something worthwhile, do something that I can be remembered for in a thousand years. Oh, that's so awesome. <laughs> that's so cool. And uh, yeah, but talking about Boca, uh, yeah, you know, he has all this money, he has all these toys, but yet he's such a country boy and he, so, he does live closely to his roots. He loves it. He takes one day off a week and he goes like, and if he sees somebody lifting rice, like uh, an old lady with a huge bag of rice, or he'll just carry all the rice. Yeah. You know, he'll go out and play football with the kids. You know, no um, Senchai was just saying like, when, when Bokal comes to Bangkok, he'll call up Senchai and ask him to go play football or go sing karaoke. Yeah. Yeah, like so humble, you know, that's all he cares. He just you know, wants to like chill with his friends and... 
yeah, be just live his normal life. Precisely, and 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 I I I need to experience that. Yeah, that that's that's it's critical for me actually. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. So yeah, um, you mentioned before about your Jewish your Jewish heritage. So are you religious now? I'm not religious. Once again, I think that the religion is more of a, a, like a sauce or a dressing through, uh, through which the medium of spirituality is conveyed. So mm. uh, being humble, being simple, being honest, being true to yourself, it, it, that's the real message. And the religion is sort of a, a, a dressing on top of this. So like different religions are different yes. dressings, you know, that's my opinion. And uh, the meat and potatoes of it though um I so saw that, that that's as an aside, and that's to relate to the uh, conversation we were previously having. However, with regards to my Jewish heritage, I reckon I've I learned a few years ago, just about three, that I was descended. Um, my my grandmother was Jewish, which I'd known for a long time, but I was descended from Eastern European Jews who'd come from Eastern Europe during the all Eastern European Jewish exodus that occurred. Oh. Yeah, in the early twentieth century and late nineteenth um, century. So. That, I didn't. Stri- it didn't strike me as particularly important, but um, also about two months ago, or maybe three, I was listening to a podcast, and all of a sudden, it was mentioned that Ashkenazi Jews um, have an, on average, higher IQ, but also are more prone to sort of social problems <laughs> or like personality um, quirks and traits. And I have ADHD, and uh, and I don't know what else, but. I have a pretty bad ADHD. So since but then, they I've, say that's kind of normal of people with a high IQ that they do lacking like the interpersonal, you know, relationships or, you know, that type of thing. Precisely. Yeah. And and then with, um, with Ashkenazi Jews, as far as I've come to understand, um, oh, I, let, let me say the ADHD has been such an important, uh, like such a, a sort of a important or large aspect of my life so far. And to learn that, I was, par- and also not being able to relate to people around me, basically, because they didn't seem to get me or I didn't seem to get them, has really made it a measurable impact on my life to this date. Mm-hmm. And then learning that it may be due to uh, my heritage was interesting for me to learn because Ashkenazi Jews are identified by their religion, Jewish, but are actually an ethnic group. Right. And so I was, I've been looking into the... Uh, ethnicity of the Ashkenazi as much as anything. And actually, I'm going to visit Israel next year. Oh, that's very yeah, interesting. Yeah, I'm really excited. You can make Aliyah. So if you have a grandparent or a spouse who is of a Jewish heritage or who was a Jew, then you can um, actually assimilate into Israeli society. So I'm looking into making Aliyah and, and I'm discovering what, everything that, that entails and what it's about. It's, a, it's an exciting time, yeah. That's so cool. <laughs> Um, you said you had ADHD. Do you think that really helped when you were doing sports? Or I mean, you're doing sports really helped your ADHD. Both statements are absolutely yeah. correct. The ADHD helps the sport, and the um, sport helps the ADHD. I couldn't, couldn't, absolutely couldn't state it any better than that. But, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, because I know, like you know, a lot of younger kids when they have behavioral problems or something similar, like going, getting into a sport or a hobby or something, doing something active really helps to control, yeah, and it can help both ways, obviously. Um, what are your motivations? Mm, that's a good question. Um, so, oh, are we pressed for any time, or is there any no, sort no, of time pressure? No, no, it's fine. Cool. Um, my motivations, so right now I, I just have this, uh, this wonderful partner, her name's Talita Simon, and she's, I absolutely adore her, she's just incredible, and um the long and short of it is I want to uh, attain financial security through my fighting career so that I can provide a lifestyle for her where that she isn't concerned immediately about money from on a month-to-month basis. And and my, my immediate uh, goal, my primary goal, is that achieving success through sport, translating, so financial success through sport, so that I can um, take that worry off her back and then provide a, a better lifestyle for her and to be able to give back uh, a little of what she's given to me over, over the years. And that would be my, my number one goal at the minute. That, that's my short-term goal. My long-term goal 
is to make a measurable, contributable difference to humanity. But my motivation is primarily my muse, my inspiration right now would be her. Yeah, she is incredible, yeah. Oh, that's so nice. Um, next question. You said you're going to fight bare knuckle in the, in the south of Thailand. Yeah, wow. So my last fight was last month, bare knuckle. And I'm just absolutely, it's so much more fun than regular fighting. You know, I had like uh, maybe in a 12-month period before 10 fights, I didn't get touched. I didn't get a single punch in any of them. You know, Whoa. that was when I, when I moved to Thailand, I didn't get, I didn't get touched, you know, like I, it's once you get better at fighting, it becomes sort of like uh, walking down the street or, you know, a game of chess, you know, he makes a move, you make a move. But if you're both skilled players, it's probably not going to result in a checkmate. Um, but like, even when I lost an all-star fight, the guy didn't, didn't hurt me at all. But when I uh, fought a uh, bare knuckle, I was like, I actually did take some damage. I got like a cut here and he took, he gave me one hard punch to the side of the head. I was like, and he oh. had butts. Yeah, actually he tried to headbutt me in the first round. And I had automatically blocked it. I didn't see it coming. But he just headbutted me. And I have a really big head. And he didn't. Yeah. And I remember his eyes was like. <laughs> and then he didn't headbutt me again. And I think in the fourth or the fifth round, I like got an angle on him. So I headbutted him into the side of his head. And I just went like. <laughs> and uh, shit, he wobbled. He wobbled. I was like, what the hell? This is crazy. So I think I maybe have some sort of like uh, my, knee, my knees and my head, you know, because. If you notice, <laughs> this brain is encased in a, in a, in a skull. So I'm going to definitely, when I fight that's way next time, I'm going to yeah. sling them, you know. But you can't do that in Kachuk. In Kachuk, uh, no. This will yes. be bare knuckle Muay Thai uh, with no head butts. But it's going to be Kachuk, yeah. The ropes. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. In Thai fight against Seng Satan. Seng Satan, former Lumpini champion and Thai fight champion. So it's a really exciting time for me. He's 10 times more fights than me. And um, actually, my opponent at All-Star Fight also had 10 times more fights than me. And so this is a real test. And it's something that I, uh, I, I'm i really training hard for and I really want. And I'm really excited to see how it goes. And, and I'm yeah, I'm not a little bit nervous about it. Oh, that's but awesome. I think as the fight gets closer, I'm getting fitter and I'm getting more confident in my skills and abilities. And it'll all come together. A fight week will be ready to go. Um, have you been watching Sensatan's previous fights and felt like uh, you wanted to adapt your style somehow or you have a game plan towards the fight? Certainly he has a good right hand and he's fortunate in that because a weakness of mine um, actually particularly is a, is a straight right hand. So I've certainly been um, focusing on that and I'm fortunate enough to train with a lot of really good guys at the minute who have actually really good straight right hands. So my defense is, is improving leaps and bounds I was studying a boxer last night called Mike McCollum when he fought Julian Jackson, seeing how he dealt with the right hand and then the right hand that comes into the overhand right or right hook, you know, and he tricks you. So I'm, I'm furthering my, my knowledge every day. And I'm fortunate enough also to train with a gentleman called uh, Sasha Moisa. Oh, I hope okay. I pronounced his name right. And he yeah. was actually sparked since then. He knocked him clean out like brutally with a right hand. And... Um, I, I'm observing, I'm learning how he did that, how he used his footwork and his feints, and I'm, I'm trying to apply some of his uh, skills to my own uh, game, my own sort of skill set as well, and, and improving every day. That's good. Sang Marikot Gym has a, a big team of fighters, so yeah, you got great training there. Yeah, it's a, it's a Thai yeah. fight factory. I, I was in Bangkok fixing my passport, and I messaged the promoter of the WLC, Gerald, who's a gentleman. And I asked him, did he, um, he mentioned having a manager for me before. He said, yeah, I know a guy, his name's Bezad, dropped down to him. And so I went down to Bezad's gym. He said, listen, we'll get you on Thai fight in a month. I was like, okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm living in Bangkok now, apparently. And then I'm just doing it, you know, I'm just going straight for it. And, and it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, com it's coming together, you know. That's cool. Yeah, I think uh, living in Bangkok and training out of Bangkok is the best way to get on the TV, um, Muay Thai promotions and get your name out there. Yeah. Um, what's your current record right now? Oh, geez. Um, about 17 fights and had, um, oh, 14, two and one, if I'm correct. Okay. Wins, two 17 fights is good. You're, you're speeding through it and you're getting big fights already. Just yeah, cer certainly so. You know, I'm, I'm training hard and I'm very determined. Like, I, I'm, my will to win is, is tremendous and I'm, I'm never, ever, ever, ever going to allow somebody to beat me they can take my consciousness yeah you can have it right <laughs> you, you took it you fair play but you're not gonna like i'm not quitting in there i'm game ball fact so that's i think uh, that shows itself in my performances and, and allows me to get these these bigger fights or win when i'm sort of very sick and things of this nature like maybe i have an infection i'll go in and fight 
and, 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 and succeed in, in the first place. And uh, what's interesting for me about my next fight is that he has 170 fights to my 17. So this is the, um, how would I say, the... Uh, True test. <laughs> yeah, precisely. Yeah, no, you, you must have something special that um, people see in you that they want to put you on these big fights. So. Hard, I have to yeah. hard for you. Yeah, I definitely feel it. I feel it just from talking to you. Yeah, yeah. I, I really want it. You know, I, I really want to be better than I am today and I really want to figure it all out. And I've learned so much about myself and... And it's so slow. And like, I actually, for the last two weeks, I was coming ass kicked in the gym probably every round. Why? Yeah, you have Be- black eyes now. Once yeah, we talk yeah, to each other. Because <laughs> um, because sometimes there's peaks and there's valleys in training. And right now I'm in a valley. And what will almost certainly happen as it has with every fight camp is I get my sh- shit kicked out of me the entire fight camp. And then like the last week before sp- the, the week before the fight, I'll have two or three good sessions at the end. I'm like, okay, then then everything will come together. I'll be on fire. And it'll be time to fight. So I can still get my ass kicked every day and just be confident and consistently uh, believe in my abilities that I'm going to fight this, you know, former Lumpini champ, which is the pinnacle of the sport, as you, everyone watching probably knows, and, and be able to do the business because I want it, you know, I really want I really want to get better. And I'm like fine wine and mature with time. I'm doing this like seven or eight years, but I'm in it for another 10. And believe me, what I've learned and how and how much I've got, how far I've come and how my how determined I am to like learn from my mistakes and apply those lessons you can guarantee that I will be um <laughs> the best I can absolutely be and, and that'll be fucking damn good if not the best we'll see I don't know luck plays a factor as well but I'm going for it and you'll see me at the world stage and when it happens you'll know all about it and you and you you're invited to the after party <laughs> Yes. Everyone that was good to me, you're invited <laughs> to the after party. It's gonna happen. I'm so excited to see your career. I'm so excited really for this it, yeah. for this fight in Thai fight and like yeah, your future coming up because like I can I, I feel your hunger, you know <laughs> like wow. Um, how long do you plan to stay and fight in Asia? I think um, well after this fight, so I didn't expect to be in Bangkok, and after this fight, I'm definitely uh, going to travel north and, and train. I don't know if I'll fight as I go, but I, I probably will end up getting some fights and. Um, I, th- I think, I know, and, and depending on the, how this fight goes and the opportunities that come for it, particularly with Thai fight and also international promotions, um, then I'll, I'll be willing to stay longer. But at the, at the outset, I would say uh, next March at the outset, but more likely going back to Europe and Christmas. Mm, back yeah. to Ireland or? I think back to Ireland, maybe to Amsterdam. Yeah. Um, I, like it, it's, it's all up in the air and I wouldn't make any plans that I'll look at in the future and say, oh crap, I said that on camera. Yeah. But I, I mean, I could stay for as long as needs me. But my, 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 real, my real goal is this and uh, for this year is to make enough of a name on the international stage for myself that I can take that name and get signed by like a large organization. One organization I'm looking at is 1FC. And I, I, like, I want to I wanna keep fighting and keep getting better and keep improving as a fighter and put some wins on, on the table that I can get signed by a major organization or one of these Chinese organizations so I can go back to Europe and train and eat like European food <laughs> and, you know, train in European weather, which is more akin to my genetic nature. And then uh, that, that would suit me better. You know, I have, I have some like good trainers back home and some mentors that I like to learn from. And one thing I've noticed in Thailand is that's one thing that's missing is um, uh, sort of individual trainers with which to develop a personal relationship with. Yeah. That's, that's something that's absent and it's something I miss. That's true. I think, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, it's hard for the Thais because, I mean, the, they know that the foreigners is not going to be there forever, you know. So, yeah. And also the language barrier as well. So Yeah. Yeah. There, there's no grudges at all, but it's just, it's, it's a country that's run differently. And, yes. and it works differently. And, and, and something that is just a statement of fact is that I'm not Thai and I never will be. I could learn the language and I will never, I never will be. I could eat the food for 20 years and I never will be. One thing I could do, and I've talked to um, some people who've lived here for a long time, is I could marry a Thai and have children. But I will still... Never be Thai. I will never be Thai. Well, only then, only then will I be like half Thai. You know, if I marry a Thai, I'll have children. So that's a, that's a way of saying that, and it's something that I've learned through living in Asia for an extended period of time. It's that uh, home is where, like, there's no place like home. That's an old, <laughs> a ye oldy Irish saying, right? There's no place <laughs> like home. And that's something I've learned, yeah. Well, I'm half Thai, and even for me, sometimes like, I still get classes at the Farang, or I'm too foreigner. Really? Yeah, because like, my, I, you know, I, I spent half my life in England, so I do have the, the Western mindset as well as a Thai. So sometimes something I would say or do would be a bit more of the Western way, and then Thais would kind of look at that like she's foreign. <laughs> can you can you give me an example of this? I'll, I'll flip um, the uh, <laughs> camera onto you, right? Um, I talk a little bit too direct. 
Yeah, I, and the Thai people, they really like to sugarcoat things yeah. and or maybe just not say something. They'll, they'll avoid um, confrontation, whereas I, I, I like confrontation. <laughs> no, I like it, but like if there's something to be spoke about, I want to talk about it, you know? I won't avoid the topic. I, I noticed, actually, because I was late for the podcast, uh, right? <laughs> I was late getting here, um, and I contacted i went to the gym that's nearby i just gave up looking for the house went straight to the gym looked up fa muay thai which is near this place and i got them to call jade but when i got on the phone uh she, i could i could sense stress or consternation in your voice and and i was thinking to myself that i actually thought to myself that's not very thai <laughs> yeah it was it was a distinctly Western i'm like bring him here now bring him here yeah Hurry. she was annoyed and i could feel it and that was um that's an experience I'm not so used to um, living in Thailand. So I can see how yeah. uh, you could be even class as a I think my fighters are sometimes scared of me because I'm so direct. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, sometimes you just have to because otherwise like, you can't wait all day for everything. Like when the ties like mess around and you got like, a program, then, you know, follow the program. Yeah. But yeah, but the reason why I was kind of stressed because, you know, we had Senchai coming Senchai on the show on, yeah. and he's ta- he's strapped for time so that's why I was like okay we'll have to like manage this somehow so it, cool it all worked out in the end she, she was a beast right she was nervous afterwards but for sure she killed it with Senchai check it, check it out I don't know which episode will it be on um, it will be on a, a special one just on YouTube because of course like I have to put the subtitles oh yeah, so, yeah, yeah it will be on YouTube yeah. she was awesome thank you <laughs> anyway back to you um, the last question is what are your, you you mentioned this a little bit earlier but let's like Let's elaborate on it. Your future goals. So um, that's an interesting one. You know, I had a, I was determined to uh, get a lot of fights this year and, and do everything in the traditional sense. Just fight, win, get some spectacular performances and translate those into higher purses and uh, maybe greater fight opportunities. Now, fighting bare knuckle has been a really eye-opening experience for me. It, it's more akin to my like heart. It feels right. You know, it's more hardcore. It's more real. And it's more violence. It is. I, I just yes. fucking love the violence, you know. I love getting hit and hitting people. And uh, and what what I learned, what I've just um, also identified and in, in, in sort of about myself is I learned through being in Asia a lot of my values and a lot of my my needs and how they were different from those people around me, particularly in in Thai culture. As as you noticed, mm. you can be more forward at times, yes. and that doesn't conflate or uh, yeah conflate very well with the uh, Thai attitude towards doing business, for instance. Mm. And so this is an example of how your values may not work with the people around you. But I, I saw actually a few months ago, Eddie Alvarez left the UFC and. He did an interview on the underground, on the UG, I think. But it was definitely he did an interview, and it's easily findable on YouTube, on uh, Google. And he spoke about the difference between the way 1FC was run and the way the UFC was run. And he spoke articulately and at length about this coming up to his fight with Timofey beforehand. And, and at that stage, I said to myself, you know something? I think the the values of 1FC, they really correlate with my own. And, and they... Uh, uh, my values correlate with their values and their mission statement as a company uh, correlates with mine as a, as a fighter and as a human being. So interestingly enough, I actually just found out randomly that 1FC were doing their uh, elite retreat in Phuket uh, <laughs> like uh, two months ago or something. So they were flying 50 of their most famous athletes out to um, a, a massive like five-star or six-star resort in the north of Phuket. So I drove my ass up there every day and just hung around the hotel. Wow. <laughs> just trying to trying to like break into the organization, like, you know, annoying people and like seeing if I could go to the events and seminars. I couldn't. <laughs> but it's good. They're going to recognize your face eventually. <laughs> yeah. Actually, on the last day, right, I got, I tried to train with Nikki Holskin and Andy Sauer. I saw... I saw that they were going to train. So actually, I, I got the hotel to organize me loads of gear. They thought I was a fighter, right? I had a black guy then as well. <laughs> and I was muscular and dressed well. So they got me a load of like fighting gear and pads and things. And I was like, I'm going to sit in the lobby and I'm going to wait till they train. And then I'm going to go ask them to train with them. So I did. And everything worked out perfectly. And I went with like Nikki Holskin and Andy Sarah. I was like, hey, can I train with you guys? And then one of the cameramen from 1LC was like, yeah, we can do the video and everything. No problem. But actually, one of the... Other organizers of the event who had seen me like floating around the hotel and sort Aww. of like, 
being a presence. It's like, get out of here. You can't trade with these guys. So I went and I was just like, that was three days, right? I'd been at that hotel three days and I was fighting on Sunday, right? And now it's like Thursday. So I was, I was going up after training and like driving an hour north of Phuket. And long story short is this was the last day they were going to be there. And I just jumped on my bike to leave. Actually, I don't know if I have my key in the ignition or maybe I was putting my key in the ignition just to get my ass out of there. And, uh, and uh, as an interesting aside on the first day up, I was actually so broke on that day. I had to get a lend of money for petrol and my bike broke down on the way back. It was horrible. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was, it was a disaster, but it was really determined. And I, I just knew I had to be there. So that was the first day. And on the third day, I actually put my, almost put my key in the ignition, jumped off the bike and just hung around for hours more. Uh, until eventually I met some really cool guy and he invited me to the after party uh, where they're having cocktails. So I got like, yeah, I ended up getting like loads of really freshly cooked fish and vegetables and rice was absolutely delicious, hors d'oeuvres. And then uh, I had a great conversation with a gentleman called Steve Dawson after the uh, event uh, when they were doing their their final dinner and uh, shortly after that. And I just hung around with a lot of the athletes from uh, 1FC that night and organizers of the event. And I had to say that um, it was really nice. Yeah, just getting my name out there, getting my face out there. And although nothing came of it directly because, hey, I'm not like a super world-class pro yet, um, it was sort of a, a good way to be seen. And also I, uh, I identified traits of the 1FC athletes. I felt like I am this type of person and I just need to acquire the fighting experience to become one of them. Yeah. This is part of your success story. I, I, I believe so. <laughs> I, yeah. I feel like it, you know. Yeah, it was really yeah. crazy. Actually, <laughs> yeah, it was really crazy. That set off the most wonderful series of events in my life, actually. Almost like one week after that, I met a chiropractor and a stu- uh, uh, started training a guy as well for extra income and things of this nature. Oh, so I didn't nice. have to like take lend the money for petrol anymore. I met a chiropractor who fixed my, my back pain and it was chronic like for four years straight. It was in <gasps> bits. He just like <laughs> fixed it. And actually, ever since that uh, week, uh, which was... I've just basically had a string of good luck. It's been really nice, you know. Oh, that's yeah, great. yeah, yeah, yeah. After been, all that hustle, really... you know, I think it is well deserved. Yeah, hustle every day. I'm hustling. You know, the song <laughs> show, this guy we can edit in afterwards, you know, <laughs> like some gifts and things. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's so cool. So I really hope you get into one championship. I mean, it, it, it definitely seems that your journey is building up to something big. You know, I feel it. I feel your drive. Um, is there anything else you want to say? Anything you want to talk about? <laughs> how long do you plan to be at uh, Sangmara Card? Um, right now I'm here for a month so and then I'm going to discuss with Bezad like a future contract with him as a manager he's a really cool guy he really cares actually I'll, I'll recommend that gym to anyone if you're in Bangkok come, come train in Sangmara Card. Bezad's the manager the trainers are great they're motivated the training partners are hungry uh, just everything about the gym it, they really push you and the training is really hard but really good and I couldn't recommend the place highly enough. I, so if you're in Bangkok and if you're an aspiring fighter, if you want to be better than you are already, they will just have you fighting for sure everywhere, all over the place. Cambodia, Myanmar, Thailand, China, bare knuckle, not bare knuckle, K1, White Thai, you name it. And that would be uh, just a plug for those guys because they're really cool. Is there anything else I want to say? Well, I've said a lot so far. Um, I would just <laughs> like to... Um, yeah, just want to be better than I am. Yeah, and, and then and then in time, um, well, we're think, gonna add on I your think. social media links uh, into the video so people can follow you follow your journey. Through, hey, that'll be yeah, that'll be a pleasure. Journey. But I'll tell you something interesting enough uh, to practice what I preach. I actually just got rid of my phone. You know, I, I've been getting rid of my phone for a long time and getting like rid of Facebook and things. But I, I I'm limited on Instagram now because I can't upload without a mobile device. I think to be closer to your human nature and roots, you need to start cutting out like electric lights at night and things of this nature. And mm-hmm. I found that the one addiction, the one thing I couldn't kick and I've tried for so long has been screen addiction with my phone. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I learned a lot about just human nature and addiction through attempting to kick this like silly little thing so a few weeks ago i just like screw this wow. and that's why i was late today because i didn't have maps and i was driving all over bangkok trying to remember it with my little piece of paper like showing thai people an english address it's awful but it doesn't matter right um so you can actually find me on instagram and they'll send you a link it's the barbaric gentleman yeah, I've got well, some pretty good stuff up. I haven't uploaded it in a while, but after Thai fight, I'll get online and I will. Yeah, you should at least like dedicate maybe a day or two a week. So you don't have to be on your phone all the time, but you have a dedicated day just for your social media interactions. 
Precisely. Uh, something has to be done, uh, particularly about my Instagram account. I really enjoy Instagram, actually. In a controlled it, it, manner, you know? I'm a fighter. I think by definition we're uncontrolled, right? You're talking about like uh, gambling and fighters uh, before the podcast and things and how difficult it is um, as somebody who dedicates a life to sort of fisticuffs to live an orderly existence and pay the bills and things of this nature. But I also think that while you don't really learn these things in the school of hard knocks life, you don't learn how to pay bills. Um, the type of people that are attracted to fighting are also people generally that are less capable of the more steady things in life. You just need a good woman by your side. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know because I used to fight it too. And I, yeah, I kind of agree actually. It was kind of. I don't know. I, I don't fight anymore. Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't do enough research before the event. Oh, no problem. Yeah, I used to fight. I don't fight anymore. And um, now I'm managing the gym look so far and also doing these podcasts and trying to help my dad in any way of the Muay Thai world. Yeah. Apart from fighting. Because yeah. you know how much time that takes up, you know, training and dedicating your life to fighting. You really just have to dedicate everything to it. So, yeah. Which is one of the differences that I found between um, Bangkok and uh, Phuket was the, the sheer dedication of a lot of the athletes and trainers here. Yeah. That's, that, that would be, uh, like, to return back, one ideal reason to come to Sang Marakot Muay Thai or in the South, the Tiger Muay Thai is good. They'll give you good training and, and the trainers care, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you, David. It was really nice to have you on here. Thanks very much. Yeah. It's my pleasure. So um, this episode was presented to you by Global Muay Thai Family. Uh, they're online for any Muay Thai news, events, or activities. Please follow them on all social medias, Global Muay Thai Family. And also, please support this podcast and hit the subscribe button. Give us a shout-out or a comment or a share. And thanks for listening. See you next time. Sawadee.